with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you're a first-time listener, I I welcome you. I hope you enjoy. If you're a long-time listener, it's great to have you back. Uh, For those of you who are old-time listeners, you might be noticing that my theme music is different. That's because that is my guest today, Adrian Teacher, from my favorite, one of my favorite bands, the Apollo Ghosts. He also fronted Adrian Teacher in the Subs and a band called Cool TV, all the links to those bands will be in the show notes. So you could look at those, click on them, and go enjoy some of his music. Um, I talk about this in the episode, but um, I've been a longtime fan of the Apollo Ghosts. I discovered them while perusing a blog in my drunken days. <laughs> uh, I, you know, because I used to, before I was, you know, married and with a kid, I would just stay up or get home from the bars and I'd have some more things, and uh, hit search music blogs, and it was the best, because you could download MP3s, and you could make playlists, and people at your work would think you were cool when all you were doing was stealing stuff off the blogs. So anyway, that's how I discovered them, and I've been a huge fan. Never seen them live. Drives me crazy. But uh, really interesting talk with Mr. Teacher, so uh, please... And, oh, if by the sorry to do this, I was just about to go into the intro. Real, real tease there. But um, if you're a music fan and you're listening for the first time, go back to my old episodes. I've interviewed a ton of musicians: John Lurie, Ken Vandermark, uh, David Yao from the Jesus. So go check those out and enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Here's Adrian Teacher. <laughs> What made you uh, bring back the Apollo Ghosts uh, a couple years ago? Um, well, uh, I think it was my friend. Um, I have a friend named Chris Arific, who's um, this really cool guy, uh, eccentric friend of mine. Uh, and he decided, unbeknownst to me, to he, he kind of recorded uh, the, our first album, he thinks sunrise on piano and uh put it uh, on youtube and uh without telling me or anything like that and uh yeah and then i saw it and i sort of was like oh yeah i forgot about all those songs and yeah it was kind of nice and then uh we had recently uh added another member to our band at that time as well and i don't know just seemed kind of like a fun fun idea like 10 years it'd been 10 years since that record came out and um yeah i don't know it just it felt kind of like it was always my favorite band name of all the band names that we've sort of switched around over the years so um yeah like all those reasons maybe <laughs> <laughs> what yeah what why so many different bands because if i'm not mistaken it's mostly is it just you're the main creative force or is it more collaborative i mean i think yeah i mean i think i'm definitely like you know maybe like robert smith of the cure or something <laughs> you know it's like it's, he's kind of like 
the main the main dude, but like kind of be impossible to sound like the cure with all his like awesome arsenal behind him, you know. Um, but that arsenal kind of you know changes over time and. Yeah, that's kind of where I guess my trajectory has been. It's like, I mean, I don't know if you've played in bands, but it's just, it's tricky to um, kind of maintain uh, sort of relationships and friendships and, you know, people's commitments as they, you know, especially as they get older um, to sort of stay, stick with you. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess I've been kind of like the main the main idea through all the, the band names and projects and stuff. Um, but yeah, I couldn't do it without my, my buddies. Um, what, what yeah. inspires when you decide to change bands is it, it, cause it, it does just sort of seem like you're just, cause Adrian uh, teacher and the subs is also sounds yeah. very Apollo. It's, it's similar is it just you, yeah. what is the approach to that or the thought behind it well I don't know maybe self-sabotage <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, yeah there's a little bit of that in there too like wanting to sort of start fresh and like you know kind of break away from what people might expect you know we had a band called Cool TV for a while I mean Cool TV was basically like should have been a, a Ghosts record, but I think the other dudes in the band were not super keen on the music so much and and the ideas. So I was like, well, okay, I'll just <laughs> start a different band then, I guess, and find, find people who would want to play white guy funk. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, I understand. So, um, I understand the self sabotage a lot. Yeah, but not good for business. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed, yeah. and admit this is all just uh, speculation on my part. But I feel like you have a very uh, old school sort of punk uh, ethic to you, where because I remember you sent me a T-shirt once for free, and I was like, oh, "Great!" But <laughs> yeah, uh, is that? Too- yeah, I mean, pretty much. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the downfall of the band. Is like. It's kind of never been a business, never been a good good businessman. Just despite you know, my dad was a, a bank corporate banker, but certainly didn't pass any uh, sort of strategies down to me. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely like yeah, like fell in love with you know the whatever punk ethos is like, you know, just like, have you seen that film? Um, Bill Cunningham, New York. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh yeah, I guess definitely should. It's, it's basically about this like street photographer. Like he worked for the New York times, um, for, I don't know, like 50 years or something as like fashion photographer guy. Mm-hmm. And um, in the film, he kind of like talks about like he basically like works for nothing. Like he he lives in like this little squat and like doesn't doesn't accept money. Really, um, <laughs> and, and like lives off like sandwiches. And he's he's just all about the art. And like he takes he takes pictures of people in the street. And that's where he, he says like you know all the real fashion emerges from. And so anyway. 
I don't know, maybe sort of more along those lines with the band's idea. Yeah, did... Uh, but, uh... Was your dad opposed to you? Because you said he was a corporate banker. Was he opposed to... How did he take that you wanted to go into music? I don't even think he knew, uh, to be honest. I mean, like... Yeah, I, I mean, he's, I mean, I, I shouldn't say, like, corporate banker. I mean, he works for, like, he was pretty small potatoes. Like, he just worked at one bank. Like, he was, it wasn't, like, some, like, hedge fund guy or something. But uh, uh, I think, I remember when I was going to college, to, to university, um, and I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I said to him, like, I'm going to take all these business courses. Maybe I'll be a businessman and he was like uh no that's stupid don't do that <laughs> he's like you gotta go to to go into humanities like you have no business soul like i don't want my son to do that and i i you know i listened to him i i took a few business courses but um he was definitely right like i don't think he he i don't think he really wanted to be a businessman either like he he was actually going to be a zoologist and had to had to drop out because he had no money and had to sort of go into that corporate world but uh yeah anyway um yeah so i don't know maybe it's my parents are pretty like kind of like west coast hippie vibe like pretty laid back you know people so i i don't even they never they never saw me play music or anything but they, I think they definitely like put me in guitar lessons, you know? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I just, I, I grew up in a world where once I said I was going into theater, they looked at me like I was completely insane. <laughs> it was. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's. When it, did, what, what age did you start, start uh, doing comedy? Like uh, in around 15 is when I started studying at Second City. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and oh, okay. I, I initially wanted to be a musician, but uh, I quickly learned I I, I, oh, yeah. I fucking sucked. <laughs> there, there was there was no hope there. Uh, uh, I could keep okay, okay. I could keep an okay four four beat, and that's about as good as it got. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you know, if you come to LA and you need a drummer, if you want to keep it real basic, uh, I, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good kind offer. Uh, when, um, did you? F- yeah, we were, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask. Like, did you, is that when you got into music around your teens, and and what what drew you to music? I mean, I think it was pretty early, like sort of laying like on the floor you know dad putting on lps kind of thing and like just trancing out to you know like dad's weird records you know age age three four kind of thing i I was kind of you know zz top eliminator um you know weird folk folky psychedelic records and and uh you know buddy holly and that kind of stuff like whatever was in my dad's collection so so getting into music that way i don't know there's just something really magnetic about it and then my dad had an acoustic guitar which actually i've, ri- I've probably written all my songs on um, i stole it from him in college and never <laughs> never gave it back to him um i didn't even tell him that i took it i just took it and um he yeah so then uh, i asked to go i 
I tried to get into guitar uh, pretty early, like maybe nine or ten years old, and then uh, they put me in guitar lessons, and it was like, yeah, this is cool, you know, like I, I really liked it, and uh, yeah, and I was just kind of like got into the four track scene. I bought my four track off. Do you know that? Do you remember that band, the Unicorns? Yeah, you know that I, band? I love the Unicorns. Yeah, so Alden, like, Penner, the guy, in that, one of the guys in that band lived up the street from me, and, and I bought I bought his four-track. Uh, he had pawned it at the music shop, and I bought it off them. And then once once the four-track kind of got involved, it was, like, just pretty much, you know, this is a new, new world here. I got into trying to write songs and do covers and stuff, so... Yeah, probably around 16, 17. That's, and that's when you bought the, the four track? Yeah, it was probably, yeah, maybe maybe a little older, maybe like 18, 17, 18, maybe. Yeah. Because I'm not like a, a fully aware of like what uh, the four track scene is. I have a rough idea. Like, is that just when people were bought? Because I remember friends of mine buying four tracks, and is that, was, was that like the first time it became more accessible for people to sort of record on their own and not re- rely on a studio? Yeah, basically, yeah, it was just like a little Porta Studio thing, like, um, and I don't even know how I figured out this was the way to do it, but because I had always, like, as a kid, I had sort of done, like, weird little radio plays and, like, singing to myself with um, just, like, a standard cassette recorder, and then I'd have two of them, and then I'd try to, like, the idea of overdub, like, this concept of overdubbing was really fascinating. And then um, it was kind of, like, proto, like, computer pre kind of like computer stuff so it was just around that time like computers were being able to record as well so i was kind of like mixing the two like um yeah and so then i bought this four track and suddenly i was like wow i can like layer tracks here and this is really cool and i can actually sing with myself and harmonize and like that's kind of how i taught myself how to how to write songs and, and sing with the, with the four track uh, was there an ex, you know experiment? Was there a, a, anything that because uh, you you know I, I think like especially uh, pre pre internet we grew up with sort of the music that we were just given or that uh, or in my case we had the misfortune of what our parents listened to which was a lot of Anne Murray a fellow Canadian if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, classic. Um, well, that's a can but uh, you know, it wasn't until like high school when somebody handed me a mixtape of like punk bands where I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a world out there that I have no concept yeah. of. Uh, what was that moment for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so in Canada, we have this show called, uh, or I don't even know if it's still going, but it was called Much Music. So it was basically like an MTV clone, and um, they had. You know, certainly a lot of CanCon bands that were, you know, like mainstream mainstream kind of rock bands, which was cool. Like, you know, you get a little bit of stuff from that. But they had a show on there called The Wedge, which was basically like the alternative of the alternative, like actual sort of like weird stuff. And um, I think when I was about 17 or so, I saw started to see stuff like, well, Beck, um, Beck's uh, like Loser that came out. And, um, Eric's Trip, this band from Canada, that was pretty seminal, um, band. 
uh, saw them have videos and stuff. And so, you know, started to see like actually weird arty stuff, you know? Um, and I think that kind of tipped me over into this, this whole other world. I think definitely Beck for sure. Like I, I remember vividly seeing that pay no mind video and be like, what the fuck is this? This is great. <laughs> this, is, this is so weird and awesome. And like, it just clicked, you know, and then lead you down rabbit holes into like, you know, okay. Like, weird internet forums and people like, Oh, have you heard of a band called like Weezer or have you heard of, you know, like this punk band. And then, you know, you just, you know, your little mind is just, you know, envelops all these, these cool things and now yeah, you're off to the races. Yeah. That's uh, music blogs were, that's how I discovered Apollo ghosts. I used to, when I was, didn't have kids and was single, yeah. I would just get loaded mm-hmm. and hop blog to blog. And that's when yeah. you could download MP3s off the yeah. off those sites and yeah your band actually was one of those moments where i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah 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 cool did those blogs did that uh, i think it was cat in the bird seat was the blog i discovered yeah cat bird seat yeah yeah um did that have did that have an effect on your building a following those kind of blogs yeah, absolutely. Like that was that was a pretty surreal moment because I think what what had happened was like we we had a few bands in Vancouver or a band before the Ghosts, um, you know, that had some kind of traction. Um, Amanda and I had been living in Europe for a couple or in Asia and Europe for maybe two years, and then we came back to Canada. And I knew at that point that like wanted to start a band and. So we did, and the first one kind of ended abruptly, and then we started The Ghosts, and I was like, okay, this is going to be like, you know, all these songs I've been working on for years, I'm actually going to f- record them, and we, we were fortunate enough to be in a, like, beside a studio uh, called JCDC Studios, where, like, the new pornographer guys and the destroyer guys were. And I just kind of like sheepishly went up and was like, Hey, can I record like, like an album with you guys? And they're like, yeah, sure. Of course. And, um, so we put out that first record and like suddenly the, you know, the shows started getting really busy. And then that blog, um, posted, uh, a couple of songs. And then suddenly it was like, Oh my God, I'm getting orders from like the U S and like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was like, Holy shit. Like this, this is actually <laughs> happening. Um, but it, it, it <laughs> there was that sort of bubble, but like, um, unfortunately I don't think we, well, we certainly didn't get picked up by pitchfork or anything like that, which I think it was the big one. And then, um, those little blogs started to kind of disappear and, uh, and it, it became kind of all pitchfork at that point. And we didn't really, uh, have, we were, I was just kind of like doing the teaching program and my partner was working and the other guy was not really into touring. So we didn't really take advantage of the kind of like limited buzz that we had. So, um, yeah, I didn't really, um, amount to that much to be honest but it was cool it was definitely you could feel it like you could kind of get an experience of what it would be like to um see your band kind of go viral or a song kind of it was like a a microdose of that you know well for, (laughs) for whatever it's worth i have uh i felt like i've been an apostle for you guys for you i've told everybody and i used to bartend so i would put yeah all your fucking songs on my mixes and people would ask 
and you know, yeah, I know uh, Jonah Ray. I, 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 I brought him into the fold. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that, yeah, I remember seeing that too. Yeah. Um, speaking like you, uh, you have a few songs about being in Asia, and there's uh, one I've always been curious. About. I can forgive me for flaking on the name of it, but do, you talk about where you almost died. Yeah. Uh, what was that situation? Because I'm yeah. fascinated by what happened. They're not fascinated. Yeah, interested. That, uh, that song. Yeah, yeah, that, that song was called uh, "Land of the Morning Calm." Yeah, one of, that was one of the first ones we we wrote, and um, that one I was quite sick. Uh, we were both teaching. Amanda and I were teaching in Korea, South Korea, and uh, one day I, you know, I woke up and I was just like super sick and like just you know, like barely breathing and like and I just she got me into like a taxi and went to the hospital. And, uh, the, the doctor kind of had limited English, of course, cause we were in Korea and he's like, came back with the x-rays. He's like, you have, uh, what did he say? He's like, you have cancer or something or something horrible. And I was like, what? And he's like, Oh wait, I mean, you have, no, he said, you have tuberculosis. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, wait, I mean, you have like a bad chest infection or something, you know, like just <laughs> take these fluorescent green pills and, you know, put on a, boo moo and just go over there um so yeah i was just like for that brief moment like i was like i'm dead like i'm gonna die here in this this city of 10 million people and like there's just like all these crosses up in the sky like there's a lot of churches there and it's just like these neon um crosses and pollution and it's just yeah it was just a weird weird experience sort of life and death experience that i had to kind of catalog in some way that that became that song do you feel like and people it's weird like that's one of our popular songs and when we play it live like people like <laughs> like shouting back the lyrics and stuff and i'm like oh this is such a horrible experience but uh but you know whatever pays the bills you know uh, right did, did, did that uh, moment uh alter the way you because uh, I had a similar situation where a guy pretty much thought I had a brain, okay. brain tumor, <laughs> and then it was just uh, okay. It was like I got a, a dental X-ray on like a shitty, cheap yeah office because I was broke, and then the guy was like, "Oh, I did yeah, something yeah. there." Um, to be quite yeah. uh, quite honest, I, I was doing a lot of drugs at the time, and I think maybe I just had some fucked up <laughs> <laughs> nasal <Mr>. issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it's like when you're in that state of like, Oh fuck, I'm going to die. Like it. Yeah. And I I still carry it. I mean, it fades a little bit, unfortunately, but did that affect your approach to music and life? I mean, I don't know. At that time, I I think it was just like everything, you know, when you're in your twenties or early thirties, like everything just happens so quickly. And it's just like one big, roller coaster rush you know and you just kind of move on from it and like i think you know yeah after that experience in asia and stuff and coming back and 
you know, it was just all good. Like, like the band was doing really well and, and we were having so much fun with it. And, um, I kind of, you know, you kind of put it, you put that thought away maybe of, of passing away, but it's, you know, it's always in the back of your mind, you know, <laughs> like, fuck, like this planet's just out to get you, you know, like just doesn't want us here. <laughs> yeah, it's really, so, yeah. That, the planet's really yeah. letting us know right now that, uh, it doesn't fucking want us. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, you know, most 99% our fault, but yeah, I mean, it's still, there's, there's you know, there's grizzly bears, there's, there's cougars out there, there's, <laughs> you know, there's like viruses and pandemics, like, you know, it's, uh, how would, uh, doesn't want us here? <laughs> how is uh, how is the pandemic going? In uh, you're in BC, correct? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, it's going okay. Like um, we just uh, shut down school for spring break, so that'll probably help. I actually had a cold. Um, but oh, I thought I had the COVID, but um, turned out just just to be a cold. So um, <laughs> yeah, thank God. But um, yeah, it's just like really weird. I mean, sure, it's the same down there. It's like every, there's no shows. There's everything's closed. Like people are like out on their balconies, like in Italy, like singing. Nah, it's not that bad. It's like I don't know. This is really sunny and nice right now. Um, but people are <laughs> pretty fucking scared and, um, they're just all on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think our, our response to the, the COVID has been pretty good, like here in BC and, um, been, we, I mean, certainly like being a, a, a port city, a lot of, a lot of, um, flights from China come, come through Vancouver. And I think their response was really quite quick and, um, yeah, I don't think it's as bad as it could be, but I'm not a, I'm not a medical expert, but <laughs> it seems like it's, it's, it's going okay. Like we have like, I don't know, maybe 80 cases or something in DC. So, um, I was just curious about that, but how I want to go back to your songwriting cause, um, you have a lot of, like, uh, I don't know. I, I like just a lot of your subject matter and you have, I mean, you have a lot of, you have sometimes a very untraditional sort of subject matter for songs like the one about a yeah. ghost get out of your apartment, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what is, do you just, do you like sit down and like try, or do you just wait for inspiration to strike? What is your approach to songwriting? Yeah, I wish I knew. Like, it's it's kind of like a weird thing. Um, I yeah, I mean, I I often ask other songwriters like this question because it's a pretty lonely lonely pursuit. Like, you don't. Um, it's not like you can go down to the local watering hole and be like, "Hey, how's your how's your songwriting?" You know, like it's, it's very few people do it. And, 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 you know, I have some really close friends that are, you know, I think are like brilliant songwriters and I, you know, lucky to have access to other people that are kind of more famous songwriters. And you know, I always ask this question too. And like, what's the process, right? Like, and yeah, it's just, it's different every time. Like sometimes I, you have to consciously force yourself to, you know, sit down and actually write something. Sometimes things just kind of pop out of nowhere. Um, you know, Leonard Cohen said, like, if I knew which well to go to or whatever, I'd go there every time kind of thing. But it's just, it's one of those mysteries, right? Like, I don't know. I really don't. I, I try to, um, 
I think lately just trying to, um, yeah, like force myself a little bit more and, and look at, look at it more mechanically, but maybe that's the wrong way. I don't know. I want to take this moment right now to thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, you can become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Matt Dwyer. You'll find bonus episodes, commentary on every episode, blogs, videos, pictures. Just become a subscriber. It's a great way to help me keep the show going. If you can't be a subscriber to Patreon and you want to help the show, do me a favor and tell some friends about the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to support the show. Or you can go to iTunes rate the show, give it five stars, write a review, and I'll read it on the uh, podcast, and subscribe. That helps me with the old uh, podcasty numbers. And if you like my podcast, listen to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine or Kilgallen's Pub with Joe Kilgallen. Also, don't forget to go to themattdwyer.com. That's a jumping off point for all things conversations with Matt Dwyer. You can find merch on there, links you to my Patreon and social media. Why don't you buy a t-shirt? What the heck? Why not? Now back to the interview. Yeah, it's uh, like it. It fascinates me with sort of more instrumental music. <clears throat> like I've asked uh, yeah. jazz guys, I'm like, are you just trying to uh, and capture a mood, a thought? Like, because it because uh, instrumental is more. It's not as tangible, I guess, because you're not being like you're not able to utilize words. <laughs> as much it's got to be yeah yeah um do you feel like yeah uh, your your approach or what has changed drastically over the years or is it or is it uh yeah i don't i don't know i mean i think not really like uh, but i think in the beginning like when you're young and like just full of lots of ideas and it's just it just seemed a lot easier like it was just a lot like things were always flowing and now i i think especially once you know like people are at a show or like you're like oh there are going to be people here that like know my band or have a certain expectation then you start to maybe second guess yourself or like oh maybe that won't work or whereas in the beginning it's like you're like, I don't fucking know any, like, I'm just writing these things. Like, maybe people will like it, maybe they won't. But once you kind of establish yourself as, like, a particular band, it's like, you know, like, if I decided to come out with a sitar and, like, like a bunch of reverb pedals and, like, just make drone music, like, people would be, like, throwing cans at me, you know? Like, it's <laughs> like, I can't really, I mean, I guess I could do that, but... Um,
Yeah, I mean, it's me. I mean, mostly like kind of music I'm listening to these days. Like, I I like I like it, and um, I got a free piano off Craigslist, and uh, I just I don't play piano, so it's just kind of like a fun way to kind of play with it, and just like I don't know, it just has like a whole other other sound and feeling to it than playing guitar, and it's just kind of like a little challenge myself and I think it sort of set you know it just sort of hit the mood of what that record was sort of trying to say and trying to feel like so um but yeah it's not like I'm up there at a rock show like <laughs> with a piano and like droney sad songs about my dad you know like it's like that, that's not gonna work like live. I mean maybe it would maybe people would be into it but like some some records are studio records some are some are live you know, more life, but um, yeah, I'm certainly happy with it. Like more so than I think a lot of things I've done, to be honest. But um, is that yeah. something common you do with the to challenge yourself? Because I read like recently Eddie Vedder tried to write like techno music because he just wanted to see if he could do it, and he took <laughs> he took uh, what's the raver drug everybody likes? Ecstasy. He took ecstasy to test yeah. <laughs> to help him, and I was like. I, I, wow! It's just like the furthest thing I would think of when I, uh, of him even listening to or or wanting to try to attempt. I just found that really weird and fascinating. And I was wondering if that's do you do that just to be like fuck it? I'm going to see if I could write a big band tune. <laughs> I mean, seeing Eddie Vedder on Ecstasy making techno is probably the only Pearl Jam I would ever want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, but you know, Eddie's right. Like he, I mean, there's points where you're like, I can't think of another way of like mucking around with these chord patterns. And, you know, I need a, I need a fresh start. I need to paint with some different colors. Um, I need to impress another subset of music nerds. Like, you know, I got lots of messages from people that, you know, like, um, drone or ambient music and saying like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, like I, I like this, you know, and that's, that's cool. It's kind of nice to round yourself off like that and sort of show the scene or show the music scene that you can kind of, um, make different kinds of art as well. I think that's, it sort of gives you a bit of a holistic kind of tone, you know, um, that you're more than a one trick pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it tends to piss fan bases off sometimes. Like I, but it, 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 yeah, over, over history though, it seems like because Neil Young did like a '50s doo wop album, and I think he did like a weird techno album sure, too. Yeah. And like his, yeah, he did trans, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I mean, I just like fuck it, yeah, do it. <laughs> it's good. to me, it's like yeah, yeah take yeah. A, take a risk. But also his '50s album, yeah. the the weird sort of it's sort of doo wop and uh, I guess maybe rockabilly. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's got some really great songs on there, and I'm not even a huge Neil Young guy. Yeah, his 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 voice irritates me. Yeah, that record. Uh, I think he did that to get out of his record contract. He's like, okay, you want a rock album? I'll give you a fucking rock album. <laughs> <laughs> See, I respect. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the final record. Yeah. Um. I'm. Where do you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
Um, when, no, I was just going to say, like, to your point, though, it's like generally the artists that I admire the most are the ones that, you know, do take those risks and have a career, like a longevity because of sort of either experimentation or, or changing things around, you know, like, you know, if you listen to, I don't know, like The Cure or like... I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of another Rush? Really good example. Even Bob Dylan or yeah. <laughs> Rush, yeah. Well, Rush, or it's like, like uh, they, towards the end of the, they got, like, some of those albums got really heavy synthesizer influenced. And I know people mm. thought they were like a guitar band, and they got kind sure. of a bit weird, even though I think overall they're yeah. kind of weird in general in a in a good sense. Not that I'm a huge fan. Not to yeah. not to diss your fellow Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I respect the shit. Out of, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect them greatly. Whether I mean, it doesn't speak to me, but I can identify that there's mm-hmm. that they strived for something unique. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, it's sort of like experiment. I mean, you know, as much as I love the Ramones, I mean, like they didn't really deviate from the formula for 30 years or 40 years or whatever and it's like I can't say that you know like 90s era like Ramones is like as appealing like it just seems it just becomes sort of ridiculous like in the same leather jackets and like I mean not that they're no, no I shouldn't diss I mean I love the Ramones with all my heart and like I, I would would have gone to see them if I was you know of age at the time or whatever but um it just sounds like there's kind of like it's just a sadness of like or even the Rolling Stones right like it's just like skeletons playing the same <laughs> thing like they didn't really you know, change it up in the in the same way that like I don't know trying to think of a good example I just I want the Stones to tour. yeah like I want the Stones to tour but only play their mid 80s stuff and just see if people come out for that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean Steelers Wheel is pretty good I mean you gotta admit like there's some good good cuts on that that album but uh yeah I don't know um you were talking because I've I actually overheard musicians talking about this in a bar once if, about how dude that there's only so many that it's almost inevitable to repeat uh, chords uh, songs that have already been written uh, and because and I'm I was like I I don't know if I agree with that they also were not a good band they were just yeah. a, they were just a cover band and, that played in the shitty bar I worked at <laughs> but so, yeah, 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 yeah but I was I've been yeah. wanting to ask a musician like how is is that true and like what do you do to avoid uh entering into that because it does seem like there is at now there's so much fucking rock music that it has to be a bit more challenging yeah yeah, again, I, I think it's entirely possible. I, I, I don't agree with that premise because there, I, there's just too many examples of, of bands that, you know, have been able to, you know, avoid that. Like, I mean, Christ, like Joni Mitchell, uh, you know, like none of her albums sound the same. I mean, she's just, you know, one of those artists you aspire to, to be like or, you know, like Scott Walker, you know, like... Scott went through four and onto his, you know, more experimental stuff. Like he's just constantly reinventing, you know, himself or, you know, modern examples. Like I would say like Destroyer is probably one of my, it's probably my favorite band. And, you know, I think just 
their constant evolution and, and constant you know effort to you know redo things in a completely different way it's, yeah it's really inspiring it's like yes there are maybe a finite amount of chord progressions but like you know there's just there's so many tools and tricks and instrumentation switches and like technologies that you can use to kind of flip things around you know is is there a make it, yeah. yeah is there a uh I mean, you have your sound, but is there also like a sound that you have in your head that you're striving to find that you can't uh, reach yet, if that makes sense? I just always th- think like as me personally, like with my creativity, there's always been something I've wanted, yeah. a goal I've wanted to reach and I have yet to do it. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, it's like you're trying to, I mean, I think there, there's always this like, you know, version of yourself or version of an album that you think you can make um and and in my particular case like it's always been like a sound like an album sound like a like what the album sounds like like striving for you know this kind of sonic fidelity or whatever that would make you happy um and yeah for sure like you're always you know it's, it's good to dream big you know it's always you know to dream of the masterpiece but maybe 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 you you know as you go through it like you just realize like i'm just I'm never gonna get there but uh that's that's okay like you, you gotta you know you gotta try and like think certain things inhibit it like you're like i have to work i have to you know, uh, go and help mom and dad this weekend, or I have to, or I'm just fucking lazy. And I just, I don't want to sit there and work on something and process something really challenging. Like, um, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Always, always in the back of your head, like a masterpiece. Yeah. I even wonder about that. Like with like John Lennon or someone like, Miles Davis if they even mm-hmm. even if they were like fuck I just can't get there <laughs> like, oh absolutely yeah no oh yeah for sure uh, yeah. You, uh, you were saying something about that because it sucks when you're an artist and you still have to have you have to work like a bullshit job is yeah how is Canada with uh, supporting the arts are they better than this shit fuck country I live in <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, like, I mean, the inevitable pro- problem with with the granting system, though, is that you know, like, inevitably, like, there's some people get them and some people don't, and so there's there's always the argument that you know, like, certain bands are propped up with grants and those bands suck, or you know, other people are like, oh, those bands rule, of course they should get grants. And, and so there's a finite amount of grant money and, uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, played in the States and in Canada, it's pretty, pretty similar, but yeah, I think there's certainly like, like we have this thing called CanCon. So like on the radio, like they have to play a certain percentage of music has to be Canadian, I don't know, 30% or 50% or something. I have no idea, but so that, you know, it would help with royalties, I guess. Um, we certainly have benefited from that kind of thing, like for for royalties. But like in terms of grants, like we've, I don't think we've ever got a grant. It's a pretty confusing process, and 
um, we're really lazy and bad at writing. <laughs> like, you kind of have to like, kind of have to like tap into the like grant writing network and like, you know, it's kind of like pay to play, you know. And I don't really want to be part of that world, to be honest. I just, it just seems really confusing, and and like certain people get the grants and then they get bitter, and I don't know. Yeah, it's not easy. But yeah, I mean, certainly like for more established artists, like there's a lot of cake like out there for them to to help them along. And like when you see your friends that are in good bands get them, it's like fuck yeah, like that's great. Like they got you know a hundred grand to help them on this tour or whatever, you know. Like that's awesome because they're rad dudes and dudettes, and their their music should be heard by more people, and they shouldn't have to work at like Taco Bell to you know <laughs> just put out awesome music. But you know, but yeah, I have a lot of friends who are in bands, but they also write for strictly for like licensing purposes, which is. They, sure. Yeah. I mean, they don't, is the common up there as well? Have you thought about doing that? Yeah. Yeah. We put our things in a few little, little spots here and there. It's like nominal. One time I got this funny, I got this frantic call one day, like maybe five, four or five years ago from this lady in Toronto. Like Toronto is like our, our LA, I guess, like kind of like the center of everything in the music world. And so like Toronto people are, Electronic music seems like it's a whole other thing, like it's like what people go to make it and stuff. And I got this friend to call maybe three years ago, and then this lady's like, "Oh man, we just like love this song, and like we will, like just you know we got to get this going. We're gonna get it pitched to the commercial, and we'll send you the contract." And I was at work, and I was like, "Uh, I, at first I thought it was like a like a phishing scam." kind of thing and I was like okay whatever and then she's like no serious like I'm sending you the contract so she sent me this contract and it was like we uh it was for um I'm to think what it was it was like a virgin mobile commercial or something and so she sent me <laughs> she sent me the uh the treatment and the, like the little video clip and she's like uh yeah and so the contract would be tw- uh 30 seconds of the song for 20k I was like, what? Like, oh my God. Like, this is crazy. I'm like, this is like so much cash. And so I was like, I phoned the bandmates and they were like, I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, and they were like, well, that's an insane amount of money. Like we could do a lot with that money. Like we could go on tour. We could make like five records. Like, so I was like, okay. Like, I mean, this is a commercial for a cell phone. Like I have a cell phone. Like it's not a big deal. It's not like, it's probably an evil corporation, but like, we'll take the money and donate half to charity or something anyway. And then within like an hour, she's like, Oh yeah, no, uh, you were just like in line with like 150 other bands. Like, sorry, you didn't get it. And I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> it was like a total, like they just round up like, like, you know, so many bands and promised them this thing. And then like, they made it seem like it was actually happening. And then, but yeah, it's definitely a world that I would, I would actually like to get into jingle writing. I think that would be kind of fun, but I don't know how to, uh, yeah, I think I'd lo- like, you know how like Yola Tango does that? Like they, they have like a separate band or they do like it under a different name where they write jingles and, and, uh, they'll basically do like a carbon copy of one of their songs. I didn't know they did that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They have like, they basically like, yeah, they write like, um, they, they'll, the, you know, company will say like, Oh, we love this song. And they'll be like, okay. We'll write one just like it under a different name or whatever. And, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty smart. It's 
Fuck. It's a tough call because it's like I used to make my living doing commercials, and I fucking oh, ha- yeah. hated it. But it allowed yeah. it allowed me so much more free time to focus on the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I, I stopped doing it because I, I was I got bought and I and I regret it. <laughs> I could have probably bought a fucking yeah house. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but it's like yeah. It's, well, it, yeah. It's like yeah, I don't want to work for this evil corporation, but it's like I don't. It's like it's almost impossible these days to avoid. Yeah. It. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we have a really great uh, comedy scene up here, and I know a lot of the, or I know a few, few of the comics, and uh, same thing. Like they're always like doing commercial work too, and they're like, oh, I got you know this commercial, but it pays my rent for six months. Like, and like, how can you blame them? And it's like they they're also doing their awesome like indie comedy on this on this like side, and able to actually do it because you know they do like a a phone commercial or whatever. And it's like, I don't think anybody really cares. I, I, I think even that idea of selling out now, it seems like at least when we first started, like, you know, we turned down some labels and people were like, fuck yeah, good for you guys. And now it seems like nobody in the newer generation gives a fucking <laughs> shit about that stuff. Like, seriously, it's so interesting. Like I, 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 I like signing to labels, like commercial stuff. Like I haven't heard a peep I wonder if there's going to be a backlash to that because it seems like it goes in cycles a little bit, but it seems maybe yeah. I don't know, but we do seem to live in an era, and it's, I mean, at least in this, uh, there's such an imbalance of who has and who does not that it seems like people are just like fuck it. Yeah, it's almost self protection at this point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll roll back. I don't know. I just feel like my I like in my time it was like kind of at least sort of like seventies, eighties, nineties. It was like, man, you're a big sellout, and now and now I, I don't really hear that anymore in the discourse. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just it doesn't really pop up. At least like from what I've heard, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know in the music scene. But there was a lot of bands in ch- Chicago where I'm from originally that wouldn't. Like the Jesus Lizard, yeah. When they first some a label came at them, they were like, "We'll sign to a major label when you give each of us a million dollars." They just, yeah, yeah, they yeah. just made it like a big fuck you, and then they eventually went to a major label. I don't know if they got that million dollars each, but they did jump. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so glad to be not a part of it. Like, just not a part of that world, and just like whatever. I'm just a weirdo in my basement making music for fun heartfelt simple you know and friends you know can't accuse me of anything leave me alone like just doing it for the love of it so i'm just like yeah i just i'm just not part of anything except just making stuff so and you've put out some of your albums independently right or one yeah 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 most of them, yeah. There's one we put out on a, a label called You've Changed Records out of, out of Toronto. But aside from that, yeah, I think it's, as far as I know, I think it's all been us, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's so. great. I think it's great that we also live in an era where it's more uh, accessible to do shit like that. I mean, and it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, your music can be yeah. listened to anywhere in the world now, opposed to when you had to go to a fucking record shop. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the complete democratization of the music has just been a blessing to you know you know people who didn't have access to the system before, and it's you know people of color, LGBTQ. Um, I mean, that's why you're you're seeing such a rise in that voice and that's like long overdue. Um, I have zero issues with it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's, you do get, of course, like a glut of people that can now, you know, make music, which maybe in the past wouldn't, but like, whatever, there's just a bit more stuff to kind of sift through. But overall, like, my God, like, it's just amazing to see, you know, the new voices that are able to, you know, like have an impact. It's just incredible. Like uh, when we first started, Amanda, we would get heckled, um, you know, chick drummer, chick drummer, like once in a while. And this is like 10 years ago. And now it's like, I would say like 75% of the bands in Vancouver are either like all women or, um, you know, mixed and just all these fresh voices. Like it's incredible. It's so cool. Like it's just like a completely different scene from the four dude rock bands era. That's so weird to yeah. be, be upset about a chick drummer. I remember the first time I saw a chick drummer and I was like, I know. fucking awesome. <laughs> it, and it's, uh, it's yeah. sexy as too. <laughs> I finally. Uh, I well, it, it was just—it was just so, such a strange thing. Like, what? It was just like, why? Like, we didn't even think about it. It was just like, why wouldn't she play drums? Like, it just—it's like I don't know. It just didn't have any relevance. Like, and yet, you know, I think uh, she, you know she was definitely a big inspiration on a lot of local um, musicians and you know this idea that like wow like <laughs> like. We, when we toured with Wolf Parade, actually, we um, last a couple of years ago, we were in the we did like kind of like the mid Midwest of um, America, and she had a lot of women come up. Like, I never seen no girl drummer before. Like it was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, but it was yeah, it was so weird. Like, but we were also kind of isolated in our super hyper progressive bubble in Vancouver, and forget that yeah, like. So much of the world is not not there yet. Yeah, you forget about like because uh, you know I live in Los Angeles and it's then you go to the Midwest and you're like, oh yeah, that's why we have fucking Trump as a. It's like you just people. Yeah, yeah. You leave the signs this, are there. Like it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, but it's interesting because a lot of the uh, new bands I like are mostly female. Like, mm-hmm. I like Summer Cannibals a lot. It's yeah. just the first one that pops up. But it's like more bands being fronted by women. And yeah. it's like, I feel like, I don't know, a lot of them are more doing more interesting things. Maybe that's just coincidence. But, or mm-hmm. maybe, but um, um, well, I want to th- th- thank you for your time, Adrian. And I, I just want to ask where uh, yeah. where my listeners can uh, find your music and your social media so they can make sure to buy buy don't stream his music <laughs> or which is better which is be- which is <laughs> better good. for you whatever yeah. <laughs> oh it doesn't matter yeah we're yeah we're not in it for the coins so yeah feel free to steal uh steal the the uh the mp3s on napster or whatever um yeah let's just go to you can just go to apolloghosts.com it's all there for you also, yeah, because I noticed on your band camp, 
you don't mm-hmm. it's like uh, Jeffrey Lewis will give you like a couple listens of an album and then you got to pay I your guys mm-hmm. stuff is just there to listen to am I correct yeah 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 we don't have that limitation I, that's when it does a little heartbreak thing and you're like oh <laughs> I don't know I I, I I barely pay for music I'm just so lazy like I I'm just like, like yeah, I'm on Bandcamp or Spotify now and I'm just like uh, what have I done but um yeah I mean definitely support the artists like if you can like we're in a unique position like we all work full time like have decent jobs and stuff so this is just for fun for us so if people want to listen that's cool like that's 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 all that we care about so great well thank you very much Adrian I, I greatly appreciate you yeah. taking the time yeah no problem my pleasure yeah yeah have a, have a good rest of your day in Los Angeles Whoa! Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review it on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Also, go to themattdwyer.com and check out all things Matt Dwyer. My Patreon, merchandise, you name it, it's there. And thank you for supporting podcasting. I hope you come back and listen again. Thank you very much.